Welcome to the One Life Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're joining us. Our mission is to lead people to follow Jesus in everyday life. We're on a journey together to live and learn what it means to love God and love people. Our hope is that God would supernaturally use this message to influence and encourage others to follow Jesus. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, good morning. This is bad. This is rough. You guys slept in and came to the later one. The energy should be there. It's funny. Uh, sorry. Welcome to One Life. My name's Logan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's interesting, like, when you go to a new place or, like, people naturally want to set towards the back. It's like the opposite of, like, a concert or a show. Like, I, I don't know if that's a reflection of, like, how good you think the content will be here. Just like, we should get in, get out. It's funny. I've always thought it'd be funny to, like, one week, just random week, just put, like, $100 bills under the first row and, like, just back away. You should sit at the front. Because then we wouldn't give away any money most times, and it would be a good joke. It'd be like an Oprah thing, just like, you get money, but none of y'all would get money because you sat in the back. So, hey, welcome to One Life. This is our second week gathering in this building. Um, it's really been a fun process of just our community coming together, um, just having a new place to gather. For us, it's cool because it's never been about the building. We've never thought that if one day we can just get our own place, just as, as we've changed, evolved, and grown, this has been um, a necessity for us when it comes to kids and other things. But last week, I was sitting down front and just looking out at the people, it was a good reminder for me that it wasn't about um, the stuff in the room that's not done yet. It wasn't about the dust on the floor. This is just a central place that we can gather as followers of Jesus and then go out um, and love our city and follow Jesus in everyday life. So for everybody who's invested time, energy, and money, thank you. Uh, it's not about the building um, and we're going to continue to use this place uh, for God's glory. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Second Chronicles six thirty. We're going to get there um, in a little while, so we'll we'll kind of work our way there. We're in a series called Twenty One Days of Prayer. We kick off the beginning of every year with this sermon series. But Ronnie's heartbeat in this has always been what we give to God. We give to God our first, and we give to God our best. And so when it comes to money. We don't wait till the end of the month. We don't wait till the end of the year to find out what we have left over. We give to God in faith. We give him our best, and we believe that he will provide. And that's, as we come into this building when it's time, we want to just pray and say, God, this is your place. This is your location. This is your city. Use us as, as followers of Jesus and a community um, to change the city um, for you. And so um, that's where we're going to be over this week and the next week. Um, and so I, I was telling the, the early gathering this morning that if you know me or around me, I probably am giving away my secrets, um, but like sermon week is a bad week to be near me because I'm going to ask you a lot of questions um, that you don't know are questions. I'm just asking them for sermon material, and so I can usually flip them around on you to make you look bad, me look better, hopefully convict you so that you know Jesus more. So you can take anything, flip it, and make it about Jesus. Um, but this week I was asking a ton of people like, hey, what is prayer? And, and nobody was wrong, but it's interesting to see where prayer plays out in our life. For everybody, it's a little bit different. Um, but I found that, I remember the sermon from a while ago from a guy named John Piper, uh, but his definition was intentionally conveying a message to God. Intentionally conveying a message to God. Now that's an interesting definition. Um, I, I would have defined it more as a conversation um, but, but he broke it down based on this verse right here in Romans 8, 26. He said, 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, as, as whatever prayer plays in your life, there's times for us, whether we don't know what to say, we're at a level of brokenness that is so deep, we have no idea what to ask for, and honestly, I don't know if we even know who to ask. But knowing that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, when, when the pain, the hurt is so deep, we don't even know what to say. For each person in this room, prayer plays a completely different role. For some of us, there's no role at all. For some of us, we don't even know what role it plays. But, but I believe in this verse, it says that in our weakness, I believe that as we pray and we become weak, we realize that our strength is found in God's strength. It's in our weakness that we're reminded that we are free and we have the strength of God with him. Now, this is, a, this is from Martin Luther. And as we look at prayer, he says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Now, that's a convicting quote. But my question is, why don't we pray? For some of us, we do. So for some of us, it looks different. But why don't we? There's a couple of reasons I, I just kind of thought through this week. One, um, I believe it's a faith issue. I think for some of us, we don't necessarily uh, believe uh, that who we're praying to is there. Uh, maybe we don't believe that, that he's listening or that this prayer specifically matters. Right? Like, God, uh, just help me. Like, we, don't, we don't know. There's, there's a kind of a faith. Like, we, we don't feel like we need to pray. Um, and, I, and I think for a lot of us, that might be where we'd be. And if you don't know Jesus, welcome. Um, we're glad you're here. And I hope that this morning you see more of God's picture the second one, which is my favorite, if you, if you grew up in the church, um, prayer is more of a ritual, right? Just something that, that you do at certain times. And it's, if you've ever gone to, to lunch or dinner with like another believer, like you know they're a believer, you're a believer, y'all go to lunch, there's that awkward period when the food's set on the table where you're kind of on that standoff. You praying? Like, am I praying? Are we praying? And like you have that awkward, there's like that four minute dialogue where your food's sitting there and you're like, I'm ready to eat, but I need to know. Like you, you, you don't know if you want to pray. And if you've got someone else there, they just start eating. You're like, whew, thanks, Timmy. Like, let's go, let's eat. Like, we don't have to pray, let's just move on. And not that prayer before a meal is bad. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think any time that we can stop and thank God for his blessings and being a provider, I think it's important. But for our community, like we love food. Like, we love food a lot. And we try to plan as many gatherings as we can around good food and meals. And we go out to, like, everything we do is, I mean, a lot of times around food. And so what we've tried to get into the rhythm of is that the meal is the blessing. The meal is the reminder of God providing for us. And so when you get done praying and you say amen, us stopping to think about, okay, like, we set this prayer aside. Let's now go into what we came for. But reminding each other through the meal that God is good. God is grateful. He's provided for us. We've done this thing in the church, uh, the sinner's prayer. Like we, You come down front. You pray. You say, thank you, God. Or, like, I confess my sin. Uh, 
I believe that you're who you say you are. And there's like this prayer, and different churches do it differently. And it's not a shot at anybody, but we don't see anywhere in Scripture that there's this specific prayer to be prayed. And I think what's important is sometimes we, get, we trick ourselves into believing that because we've prayed this prayer, we're done, we've gotten the ticket to heaven, thank goodness, you're good. But, but following Jesus is going to take some intentionality. It's going to take everyday life and learning to follow him. Getting into a ritual and a rhythm is not a bad thing. I think it's a really, really good thing. But when it's set aside so that when it's happening, we're praying, when we're not, it's sectional. I don't believe that God is to be put into sections of our life. The third reason I think that um, we don't pray as much, and I think this is very, very evident for us as, as Americans, is comfort. I don't think that we feel like we need to pray. Um, and, and again, meals at bedtime, I think that we get so comfortable. We don't feel the necessity to pray when we're sitting there watching Netflix or as the garage door closes behind us as we're going to spend the weekend by ourselves. As we stay in our comfort zones around the same people doing the same things. We never step out and follow the Spirit. I believe that comfort keeps us in a place that it's, our, our prayers become mundane. God, thank you for this day. Amen. God, thank you for for allowing me to have Netflix. If you could maybe fix the functionality that I don't have to click it every four uh, episodes, I am still watching. Like, you should know that I'm watching. Like, the technology is there. They are watching you watch it. Like, why do you have to ask me? Um, so, like, so ran about Netflix. Um, and so praying is something that I think that gets hindered because of our comfort. I believe that as we begin to grow and step outside and challenge ourselves, that prayer becomes more and more of a necessity. Following Jesus will take intentional action. And we see this in the life of Jesus. How do we learn how to pray? Luke 11, 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. What's one life's mission? Ronnie just said it. One last mission is to lead people to follow Jesus in everyday life. This is what Jesus was doing. He was living everyday life. And the disciples were watching and they saw him praying. They're like, Jesus, will you teach us? Again, not to devalue. We gather on Sundays as believers to celebrate. But what about Monday and Tuesday and Saturday? Learning to follow Jesus will take the mess of life. Like praying in this room is, is valuable. We're going to call up. But what happens when, when life gets messy, when you're in destruction, when you don't know what to do? They saw Jesus get away and pray, and that was everyday life. Jesus trained his disciples in the everyday for the everyday, and following Jesus for us will take some intentionality. If there's anything today that as a community, as individuals, as that we get, and this is convicting for me as well, and I wish I'd have spent more time on it this morning earlier, but if we today believed in the Holy Spirit, the way that the Holy Spirit is, we believe that this Holy Spirit that intercedes on our behalf, this Holy Spirit that wrote this power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us, that Jesus said it was better that he goes so that we could receive it, if we believe that today and we got our hands and knees and we prayed and we asked God to do something, God would do more in us today through him than we could do in a lifetime by ourselves. 
That Holy Spirit is a, is a part of our life. And I think we put him into the corner and just say there's a time and a place. But as we follow Jesus in everyday life and we realize we have resurrection power, our lives will begin to look different. This is a quote from Max Lucado. He says this, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. We don't always know what to say. We, sometimes we have no idea what we're doing. But I encourage you this morning that the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, is in you. And that sometimes it's less about what you say and it's more about who you're saying it to. We're going to look at this from Solomon's prayer going off what Ronnie talked about last week. This is chapter 6, 2 Chronicles 6.30. It says this, Then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all of his ways. For you, you only know the heart's of the children of mankind. This is in the message translation. It says, Listen from your home in heaven. Forgive and reward us. Reward each life and circumstance, for you know each life from the inside. You're the only one with such inside knowledge. So they will live before you in lifelong reverence and believing obedience on this land you gave our ancestors. Now it's interesting. We see that, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that God knows you. God knows every thought. He knows your heart. He knows your intentions, your desires. He knows the depths of you. Now that sounds like terrible news, but the good news is, is that no, he knows every bit of you, your heart, your thoughts, desires. He still chose to come again and again and to send Jesus to save you and forgive you. That freedom comes at him even knowing who you are. I think we struggle with that belief. I think we struggle with forgiving ourselves way more than God ever will. For a lot of people in this room today, there are, there are sins that are years past that we don't believe that we are to be forgiven from. The weight is heavy. It's painful. But I want to encourage you today that this God knows every bit of you. And that's terrifying to think about. Josh said this a few years ago. It would be like if you took my thoughts right now and just played them on the screens behind me. It would be a nightmare. It would be the last time y'all let me teach. It, yeah. A nightmare. I don't think I could even run out of the room. I would just black out. It would be embarrassing. It would be a shame. But knowing that God knows every bit of that, still chose to love us. What I want to challenge you in today is we, we talked about in that definition, um, intentionally conveying a message to God. I believe that word is important, intentional. And I, I believe as, as we pray and as we ask God for forgiveness, as we begin to have conversations, we begin to convey a message to him, I believe that being specific is important, and here's why. As you ask for forgiveness, generically, right, like you wake up, my God, forgive me of my sins, um, I thank you for Jesus, amen. I believe that as you begin to pray specifically, it does something in you. God, forgive me. 
I've lusted after another woman. I've committed adultery. I've sinned against my wife. I've sinned against you because I didn't believe that you were the God of this equation. I believe that I was more important in this equation than you. God, I ask that you forgive me of this addiction. God, in this moment, I'm spending money. God, I'm, I'm using this drug. Whatever it is, God, I'm, I'm picking that this is more important than you, that I am the God of the equation. God, I ask that you would forgive me. You see, as we get specific and as we put those words out of our mouth, I believe what it does is it puts a weight on us. That weight becomes heavy. Now, I don't believe that Jesus died so that you would set in that weight. But if we never feel that weight, if we never understand how much God hates sin, not the sinner, but hates sin, then I don't believe our lives will change. We'll continue to do the same things. But the more we realize that that weight of our sin and that weight reminds us that when it's lifted, we're so much more free. You have got to be specific in how you communicate and convey that message to God. It's, it's convicting, I promise you. Those things that you don't want to talk about that makes your, your heart beat fast, that you don't want to deal with, you don't want to dive into and work through, those are the things I think God wants to free you from the most. That thing that, that makes your chest and you're like, no one will ever believe me or forgive me of this. I think that's the thing that God's saying, listen, I, I will and I have. You have to believe it. There's, there's freedom in Jesus. The question has never been, was the blood sufficient? The question is, do we believe it? There, there's, a, there's a very, very big difference. And, and knowing that God knows every bit about you, everything about you, but yet extends endless seas of grace. Forgiveness that you can never outwork. What God has done in us, we believe that God desires to do through us. So if God has completely forgave you, he has utterly loved you, then we should be the most forgiving and loving people. We should be the most forgiving and loving people. Now what happens is circumstances creep in. And we place those circumstances in the situation. We say, okay, listen, you don't know what they did to me. You have no idea what that situation was like. But can you imagine if God treated you that same way? It's, it's a challenge. And I know for a lot of people, I've never sat in your shoes. I've never sat in your seat. I've never been in your shoes. But I, but I know one thing. I know that Jesus has. And if there's a person who can be more bitter than anybody, it could have been Jesus. I mean, he came in love, lived sinlessly, but was killed in hate so that we could be free. I would make a bad Jesus. I do make a bad Jesus. If I, would, if I was in that shoes, I'd be like, nah, these people are good. I don't want them. Let's just remake people. But he didn't. The pursuit of love has been endless. But I believe how we treat people when you get to that point where you're like, I can't forgive. I just don't think I can. And we start to justify. I'm, I am the king of justification. Like, I justify everything, and I can tie it back to the gospel. It just takes good people around me to be like, yo, you're an idiot. That's not true. But I, I will do that when it comes to forgiving people. Like, I'll forgive them. Like, ah, they're good. I forgive you because I need to do that. But then I'll put limitations on it. Like, if I don't ever see them again, or I just, they can't be here. Or, I mean, I forgive them, but I'll never talk to them again. Like, ugh. so did you forgive them? 
And that challenge of like complete and utter forgiveness. I'm not, I understand that you're probably not gonna like everybody. But I think loving people and forgiving them is centralized around everything that God has done for us and through us. Do you have that person in your life right now? A person right now that as soon as I said that, you're like, nah, I could never do that. I'll get back to that. Here's, here's my two challenges for you this week. Just two challenges. The first one is this. Uh, how much time do you intentionally spend praying each week? Like how many, how much, think about it. Like how much time intentionally do you set aside and say, okay, I'm gonna pray God. I'm gonna, I don't even know how to pray necessarily, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend time conveying a message to you. How much time do you spend each week? This week, I want you to double it. So if it's no time, like, just spend a couple minutes. Like, just, okay, I'm, I'm going to invest some time intentionally. I'm not just talking about, like, Mitt's road rage. Like, just being like, all right, God, flip their car. Like, <laughs> you can pray that if you want. It's the wrong prayer, but I'm talking about intentional time that you set aside before the day to say, okay, God, I'm going to spend it. If you spend 30 minutes, go an hour. If you spend two hours, you should probably be teaching on Sundays because you are a super Christian. <laughs> Go to four. Like, invest the time. Uh, put down specific time. Say, God, I'm going I'm I'm to commit to this this week. I believe firmly if, you, if you're obedient in that, God will show you endless amounts. I believe you will hear from him. It may take some time. I believe that act of obedience is what God's calling us to. The second thing I want to challenge you to is this. A person that makes your, your heart race thing that makes your chest hurt, a person that you're like, man, I just, I don't like them. They, they've hurt me endlessly. I challenge this week to forgive them. Maybe even go a step further and like, yeah, like genuinely get that weight off, but, but fight for a conversation. I remember when the, the Charleston shootings happened. I remember as that kid was on trial Every single member of the families that got up in front of him to speak. Usually that's a time where you just speak to the person and you just tell them what you think. Every single person said, I forgive you. I've never felt that way. I've never been in a situation where someone had done that much to wrong me. But I do know that Jesus, in his worst moment on earth, as he hung, as he was suffocated, with just dirt and his wounds just hung there. He said, Father, forgive him. I don't know if I'm that person yet, but I pray that God continues to change me to get to a point of that level of forgiveness. And the more that I realize that I've been forgiven utterly, the more I believe that I will forgive utterly. And when our lives don't reflect that in our communication with people, I believe it's a reflection of what we're believing about ourselves and God. I believe there's some people in the room right now that don't, maybe you are follow Jesus, maybe you're not, you don't believe that you're forgiven this stuff. Like you carry that weight every day, that baggage, that hurt, that destruction. Like you just know today you're free. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. And as we begin to walk in that freedom, I promise you, the world will change. Our world will change. The circumstances around us will not get better, I promise you. It's not about the circumstances. It's about knowing in the midst of the chaos that we have a foundation that could never break. Find the freedom today. There's going to be people down front 
in just a second. They're going to be over here. They're going to be in the back. And, and they're willing to sit here and just pray with you. If you have a celebration, come down and celebrate with people. I think it's important to be, to be intentional even with this time. If you just need to pray and cry, pray and cry. But, but the culture that we want today and forever is that this room, it's not just about leadership or other people. You don't have to go to a pastor to pray. And you don't have to take someone to a pastor to pray with them. Like if, if God is putting something on your heart this morning, cross the aisle, go and pray with somebody. I know it's weird. I know this is a different setting. I know that the lighting is different in here than it was at the theater. But if God puts that in you, the spirit is moving. I'm asking you to invest that. When you're at the grocery store and you see somebody and they say, how you doing? Like, oh, I'm not doing good. I just found out I had cancer. And you say, oh my gosh, I'm going to pray for you. And then you leave. One, did you pray for him ever? But two, why not just stop there and pray? I believe the Spirit is speaking to us and, and prayer will be a part of this movement. But if God's calling you to move today, it's time to move. And, and freedom for some of us is so near. That baggage, that weight is not meant to be carried. Find it this morning. Find it. Let's pray. God, God, we thank you for freedom. God, we thank you for this place. God, I ask that this morning that every person in this room, God, would, would taste a little bit more of your freedom and grace. God, I ask for us as a community that, that we would invest a little bit more of our time, a little bit more of our energy in believing that you are exactly who you say you are, that we would believe this morning that you have the ability to heal us, that you have the ability to love us, that we are completely and utterly forgiven. God, for those in the room right now that, that are wrestling with that forgiveness, God, I ask that, that you remove that today. God, that you move in them, that you forgive and bring freedom. God, I pray for us as a community. God, that our faith will continue to be in you. God, we have no idea what we're doing sometimes. And at times, God, we doubt that you are who you say you are, but we believe this morning, God, that, that you can handle that doubt, that you're not afraid of it, God, but that you came to show us there's something different. God, I pray this morning as, as we sing and as we worship, God, if we aren't feeling it, that you would change our hearts. God, you would allow us to be who we are, but also that you would change us to be who you want us to be. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Jesus. I ask this morning that we would be a little bit more obedient to the Holy Spirit. That we would take an extra step this week to give you more time give you more of our resources because it's never been ours anyway. We love you. Pray in Jesus' name.